You want to find your tribe of raving fans. I'm going to help you do it. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with 316 Media, where we help you do better business. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb, and this is episode three of Digging Deep, where we help business owners improve businesses. I'm here today with a gentleman who has run two businesses since immigrating from Israel in 2005, focusing in the tech space, and most recently has launched a cybersecurity company, which has won a 2019 and 2020 cybersecurity... Practitioner. Practitioner. Emergent Cybersecurity Practitioner Award. Emergence. Emergent. Oh, man, this is going to be tough. Okay, so one more time. Emergent. Emerging. Emerging. Cybersecurity Practitioner. Cybersecurity Practitioner for 20 and 2019. Please welcome for me, Omer Sigoli. Omer, welcome. Thank you for showing up on the show. Pleasure to be part of it. Yeah, uh, so it's exciting. So um, I think, well, now it's coronavirus and, you know, it's funny because you're cybersecurity and you deal with different type of viruses. Uh, but let's back that up a little bit. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, you know where that journey came from and you know how you got into IT. So yeah, it's uh, for me IT has kind of been part of my life from ever since I can remember myself. Uh, my parents actually did this thing that at the time pissed me off, but now I'm actually happy about it. They they denied me from having any video game consoles at home so I couldn't have any you know like my kid my friends were having like back then it was before like PlayStation it was like the Mega Drive and you know um, the old school consoles I couldn't have any of that the only my only outlet was PC gaming and and so I got into PCs and you know uh, overall I mean it was like a very you know, early stage like uh, kind of late 80s early 90s uh, got into it from a very young age uh, my dad is my dad was in tech so he was able to teach me uh, help me, you know, dig deeper into it, and um, and I'm very thankful for that. So yes, I didn't get to play around too much with a computer or video games when I was young, but uh, you know, it led to where I am today. So I'm I am very grateful for for that opportunity. And uh, I'm not the typical IT guy, I would say. I'm not like I I'm also very uh, sporty, and you know, I was always into playing around outside and hanging out with my friends, playing sports, varsity, all that stuff, and. Um, and even today, like I'm, I would say that I'm, I'm not your typical IT guy. Cool. And so you must have gone to school for it in some capacity? Yeah. So I, I, when, I, when I immigrated um, into Canada in 2005, uh, I did go to uh, BCIT. Um, I, studied, I did an IT management program there. So um, I came in for, also in high school. I was doing a lot of uh, programming, programming and computer science. So I was always into it and, and self-taught myself a lot of it as well. I, uh, I graduated from BCIT in 2008. Perfect timing. Similar to now, it's uh, a lot of unknown and uncertainty and, and a lot of, it was a recession. So uh, a lot of companies were laying people off and nobody would really give someone like me at the time an opportunity. Uh, and and you know bring on board someone who's kind of fairly uh, fresh and junior. So I uh, I kind of got forced into starting my own business. And so tell me then. about that. Like so, starting a business, um, you know, entrepreneurship is really where we focus a lot of attention to in terms of trying to help other business owners build it. But tell me what that struggle was like, or what that what what that was like when when you were there looking into the industry and going, well, what the hell am I going to do now? What were the decisions you made, and you know what were some of the struggles that you had then? 
So first of all, you know, I kind of had to take the, you could call it the leap of faith, like do, you know, do I take the entrepreneurial route or do I go and get like a nine to five somewhere? Uh, to me, there, were, there, there weren't many nine to five jobs. I'm sure I could have found one if I really wanted to and, and spend some more time on that. But on the flip side, uh, I got some good advice from my parents at the time. They were saying that, you know, at this point, Omar, you got nothing to lose. You know, you're, you just came out of school. Uh, you don't have you don't have to pay mortgages yet, and uh, you don't have kids and all that kind of stuff to worry about. So, you know, start maybe you know if you're thinking about it, maybe just go ahead and start your first company. Uh, just roll with it, see how it goes. What's the worst that could happen? Mm. And so, well, so then you're lucky because I didn't really get that opportunity. <laughs> uh, I was forced into it, and I made a decision much to the dismay of my parents. Um, and at the end of it all, you know, like. I weathered through all of it, and I think now they've they've decided that either either they're on board, or they're just pretending they're on board and just gave up on me. I can't tell the difference <laughs> between the two, but one of the two is there. Okay, so you decided to become uh, an entrepreneur. At that moment, um, other than than not knowing what the hell you're doing in the business world, like what other obstacles did you encounter and face? I mean, at the time, I was trying to please everybody, you know. So that was uh, that's a classical like entrepreneurial lesson to be learned. Uh, you can't please everybody, and, nope, you uh, can't. and you know, if you, if you try to, uh, you're gonna hit a wall eventually. So you know, at the time, I was um, I was into uh, web development. I was into IT and sort of IT administration. Uh, you know, lower level than what I do today, of course, but also, you know, people wanted graphic design help and social media was kind of a new thing back then. So people would come at me with all these different demands and issues and I would just try to solve them all. And, uh, and of course, it's only two hands and, you know, 24 hours in a day. So I started hitting, you know, I, I hit a wall pretty quick. Uh, I was working 13, 14 hour days. You can only do it for so long, right? Um, and and so eventually I ended up having to contract and subcontract and and uh, and I learned some lessons along the way as well. I, I had Filipino like two full time Filipinos working for me at one point. That's good and bad. Um, you know it's good because you wake up in the morning and your work is should be done, uh, but it's bad because also it keeps you up at night. Because <laughs> uh, in reality, you know you, you do have to supervise and make sure that like quality assurance and all that kind of stuff. No one is gonna look after your customers the way you are, right? Mm. So I learned a few lessons along the way. Uh, but one thing that really helped me actually kind of kick off my whole uh, my whole entrepreneurial journey was, um, you know, when I first came out of BCIT and decided to, to kind of take that leap of faith and go for it, I actually got a contract. So it was a, it was a solid contract, um, paid me, I think, $40 an hour, which seemed like a lot of money at the time. Um, still a lot of money, obviously, depending on what you do. But uh, as yeah, so uh, that was that was quite good. It guaranteed me like it was almost like a full time position, like uh, but very flexible as well. So uh, I was able to pick that up, and, and that really helped me, you know, fill my pockets and uh, and and help me kind of uh, get, get like get started and take off from there. So uh, I got you know I, I took that contract. I, I took a few smaller contracts along the way as well, and I got to a level where I was just I was just like too busy it was like the chicken and the egg game you know like I got I got busy to the point where I was like you know I could probably push it for a bit longer but maybe now is the time to bring that next guy in so uh, I brought in my first employee uh, about yeah just uh, I'd say probably three months into the into my new company and uh, and then again it was the chicken and the egg so uh, he he was able to take on a lot of the work I was able to kind of get out on the field and, and start doing some business development and and, uh, and generate some more more business and, and more income and and then we got busy 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 
to the point where we then brought in the second person, and then it was just constantly playing that game. And and, and that's a that's not as common a scenario in I think entrepreneurship. I think a lot of people struggle, um, you know, where they're getting busy that they're not able then to hand off. And so, you know, when I go to talk to people and try to advise them on how to save and condense that money. Um, it's looking at the subcontract work uh, and actually backing that up, that they should actually have better control over the quality and the policies and procedures that are outlined in it. And you know, you're, you're an interesting case because you know, yes, you did all the work up until a point where you couldn't handle it and you started handling, handing it off or you know, sending it uh, to uh, an overseas uh, department or subcontractor and I think that's a lot of difficulty for an entrepreneur to really want to let go of especially sure, if yeah. you're especially if it's a passion craft right like photographers or graphic designers or you know in some case IT um, what is that mental shift that you feel um, you know when you're at that point and and you know how do you how did you find trust in giving that to somebody I mean, I, I can't, I'm not going to lie, like I, I am a perfectionist and yeah, I had a really hard time with it and uh, at the end of the day, it didn't work out. I had to, uh, I had to, I had to pull out and um, it just, it didn't also work out for some of the projects that I, I wanted to, to take part in. Like uh, I had to be very sensitive about what I do and, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was trial and error. And, uh, and if I was to do it all over again, and, and I am doing it all over again, this is actually, I just, started, I just launched my fourth business, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't subcontract or outsource uh, to, to the Philippines or anywhere outside of Canada. I keep it all in-house and uh, obviously there's pros and cons to both. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, there is a lure for people who outsource overseas because they feel like the price is cheaper. Yeah. Um, but then there is sort of that caveat where some people feel like, you know, what you pay is what you're going to get. And, and a lot of the times, unfortunately, it's true and you hope it's not true. Um, and I feel like things like Fiverr and Upwork sometimes do a great disservice to the industry because I think it gives you, uh, lulls you into thinking, oh yeah, like this is going to work out really well. But I, I think with all things, it's still a matter of taking that time to interview and then having the right processes in place. Um, when we tell people outsource things, I feel like you should outsource the things that are easily repeatable but never outsource the IP, the exactly. intellectual property. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I just had a conversation about that exact same thing today. Don't outsource your core competency. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I think what um, your, your original company, Tectone, was, is now in its seventh year. And that's actually not my original company. It's actually my, that was my third company. Oh, it's your third yeah. company. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so Tectone is the one that I've known you for. Yeah. Um, and now you've decided to move into a new branch of business, um, particularly relevant to this day and age, and that's cyber units. You got it. Um, and, you know, there's so many parallels between, you know, what's happening now in the world and everything is getting shut down and everything's getting paralyzed and to what cybercrime is doing to people's computers um, and mobile phones and how easy it is to be infected. So maybe can you share a little bit about what cybersecurity really means in, in for people nowadays um, that they're moving off of desktops and more into the mobile environment? Yeah, so you know, traditionally, uh, 
when you set up a business or, or even just when you buy a computer, everyone knows, hey, you know, I just bought a computer, you kind of put you know, two and two together. I bought a computer, I need some sort of antivirus solution. For the most part, people are aware of that and, and people have been pretty good with that. Not to say that they're always choosing the right products, but at least you got something doesn't always uh, do enough justice, but uh, they're aware of it, and a lot of it is to do with awareness. But uh, what we started seeing over the last couple of years is that uh, people are aware of that, yet they're completely neglecting uh, other areas that may have even more sensitive information data in them. For example, mobile devices. 99% of people I talk to have absolutely no security on their mobile devices, yet you know we take our mobile devices into pretty much anywhere we go, you know, meetings, washroom, bedside, anywhere, you name it, your mobile phone is usually in your back pocket or somewhere next to you. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what are type of the, th the type of threats that exist there? Because like, you know, at one point there, there are sort of myths that, you know, Macs were invincible and like nobody really attacked Macs and they were really safe. And I think a lot of people think that mobile phones are the same because you have everything like two-factor authentication and like you know your passwords are are encrypted and you know all the sort of stuff but it isn't that safe like they're there you can still click on to websites and or things that can paralyze your phone or take your data correct for sure yeah so you're very very much right about that so um, you know hackers like to focus on, on areas where people have their guard down and so for you know many years um, it was PCs you know there was just like a PC was exploding and uh, and and very very vulnerable a lot of exploitation so that's really where hackers were hanging out and spending most of their efforts on and uh, and then Max you know Max got really popular and, and Apple products and um, there is this misconception I, I still hear it quite a lot actually that you know Macs are bulletproof but we're starting to see that that's actually far from reality far from the truth uh, just a couple of weeks ago there was a, a study that came came forward and, and, and indicated and, and proved that uh, Macs are actually now under greater attack than PCs. Mm. And so uh, Macs are actually far from bulletproof and, and, and mobile devices, you know, Android and iOS, they're both exactly the same phenomenon. It's like, you know, people don't, they, they expect the vendor or the manufacturer, you know, Apple or Google to kind of take care of, of security for them. They, you know, they think they got, they got like facial recognition and, uh, you know, Apple is kind of vetting all the apps and so on. But we're still seeing, like every every few weeks or every couple of months, you see some some pretty scary uh, stats and numbers and articles uh, that you know will will go as far as saying you know two thousand or five thousand uh, apps just got pulled out of the app store, and a lot of times that's too late. You know? yeah. So uh, again, hackers are aware that nobody has security. Like ninety nine percent of people don't have any security on their mobile devices, and so that's really where they're focusing the most. And so we started seeing a lot of uh, attacks uh, targeting the mobile vector back in 2019 and we're going to see a lot more of that uh, in 2020 and moving forward. And so how safe is it when you know you're typing in a password and Apple says do you want to save this password on your phone? Is it better to do that or is it better to get a third party thing like LastPass? I would get a third party. Um, I mean obviously the Apple uh, keychain option it's better than nothing for sure, uh, but it doesn't really do it doesn't really do the work that it should. Uh, the other thing about uh, you know storing it in your browser, like Chrome does that as well, right? Chrome has a kind of like a built-in uh, password manager, same Safari, which 
ties into the keychain, but uh, a lot of people don't realize that you know if, if you're storing your passwords in, in your browser or uh, in Apple Keychain, if somebody has access to your computer and you know most likely they know your, your password or they just you just kind of let them uh, you know use your computer temporarily, they can actually get into all your passwords. Mm, so mm. I would say it's not safe. The other thing is that it's not really doing the educational piece. That it's not really training you on how to improve your passwords. It doesn't really, uh, as far as I know, I don't think it actually lets you like generate like strong and complex passwords. Does no, it? no yeah. I don't think so. Um, so it's doing you know it's doing about maybe twenty percent of what what like uh, a company like LastPass, which is uh, it's a great option actually uh, for password management. It's a third party that lets you manage. It's it's kind of like a vault for all your passwords and all your sensitive information like passwords and um, you know SIN numbers. You can you can store a lot more than just passwords there. But what it does is it allows you to store very complex passwords and, and unique passwords uh, for all of your services. And it, it doesn't just allow you to store them, it also makes you more efficient. So when you want to log into a specific um, you know, online service, you go there and then right away LastPass will identify that you have a password associated with that account. Uh, and then it would actually just log you in for you. So it makes you more secure and more efficient at the same time. And uh, passwords, man, I can't, I can't stress it enough. Like, People are getting like people have no idea how much how much is out there hmm. on them. Uh, there's a dark web. Some people uh, probably have heard about the dark web. It's a place where uh, horrible people, uh, a lot of hackers, but uh, just horrible people in general, go to sell and buy stuff like weapon and you know s human trafficking, just horrible, horrible stuff. But our focus is really cybersecurity and, and corporate data. And there's so much corporate data on the dark web for sale, people have no idea. And so if you use uh, one single password for all your devices, all your uh, logins, what's going to happen is one of those one of those uh, accounts probably will get breached at one point. Maybe not you personally get breached, but uh, the, the vendor themselves, like, you know, like LinkedIn got hacked back in 2016. Uh, Canvas, you probably know about them, mm -hmm. like for graphic design, they got hit uh, just in the last couple of years. And, and every, every week uh, or every few days even, I get an email, an alert saying, you know, this one company, and we're talking massive companies as well, but companies big and small, they're all under attack. They're all getting hit, they're all getting breached. And when, it, when, when a hacker gets into one of those systems, Typically, what they do, I mean, there's a lot, of, many different reasons why they, they would want to breach a company like that. But once they get in, typically what they would do is they would take the, the database that contains all the emails and passwords and dump it onto the dark web and try to sell it for money. Mm -hmm. And so if you're using one password for all of your all of your services and third parties and so on, uh, what hackers would do is they would they would take that password and try it against every possible service that you might be using mm -hmm. that password in. And, and that's why you need to have strong complex and unique passwords for all of your services and it sounds like impossible right but when you have a third party like LastPass uh, that allows you to do it efficiently it makes it a lot easier and it also helps uh, do it in a, in a team environment so a lot of times people have to share passwords and share accounts and so instead of you know trying to kind of like think about uh, different key phrases or things that you guys might know and but then you have to change it once in a while so you have to let the other person know you could do it very efficiently in a system like LastPass. Yeah yeah and that's something that uh, I definitely enjoy a lot more of for uh, in terms of being able to send to uh, contractors or you know some team members who are remote and being able to just send them access without them having to like keep track of whatever password is current at whatever time that we're at. Exactly. So the other thing is, is now because of 
the pandemic outbreak um, of, of coronavirus, a lot of people and companies are trying to figure out ways to work remotely. Yeah. And you know, part of that is being on a tablet or a computer or on their phone and being able to access corporate data. So is, that, is, is there a way for companies to look at security in that, in that standpoint? And you know, what can they do to protect themselves? Yeah, so I mean, it's very unfortunate what's happening right now. But uh, we started seeing the kind of move and trend towards, uh, you know, the work from home uh, policy in the last couple of years has been getting very popular. There's companies out there that like, like work, you know, automatic, the company that runs WordPress, like they, they're purely work from home uh, company. And we'll probably start seeing that a lot more. But now it's interesting because now we're sort of forced into it. I mean, today, you know, we're still kind of beginning of March 2020. Um, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. We'll probably see a big push towards uh, work from home for everybody. It might be mandatory in some countries it is. And, and there's a lot to think about as employers, business owners and managers. You really have to think about the implications of what it means to all of a sudden let your workforce uh, go outside of your parameter or outside of your network and, and, and let them log in from different places. I mean, you're creating, you, you're really worsening your security posture uh, possibly overnight and, and a lot of people don't really think ahead and, and, and grasp what it means uh, for your, your overall uh, security hygiene and, and what could end up happening uh, if you don't do it properly. So uh, things that we, we've already been working on for the last couple of years because there has been this trend is uh, you know beyond the parameter security. So uh, again securing your mobile devices we have amazing security solutions for mobile devices uh, making sure that there's nothing malicious on your phone because a lot of times you know the, the company will own the mobile device but other times it could be a BYOD scenario where you know bring your own device people people bring their own phones much like laptops we're starting to see BYOD laptops right or people working from home you have no idea what's going on in their, in their environments yeah. you don't know if they let their kids play with the phone or the laptop at night and uh, you know download all these funny apps uh, a lot of a lot of apps like I said are malicious and, and you know uh, whether or not you, you know it sometimes you'll download an app and you'll be legitimate and then the next day uh, a hacker group will actually buy that uh, development company out or maybe the, maybe it's like an abandoned app that you know the guy wasn't making enough money and so hackers will come about and look for those kind of opportunities get into it and then overnight you're basically you know in the pockets of hundreds of thousands of people so it's really important to secure your mobile devices your tablets uh, any, any and any computer anything that accesses your corporate data should be secure and, and so how does uh, say so if somebody's interested in this like do we what's the website for, for yeah, you so check out uh, check out cyberunit.com um, we service primarily small businesses. We do work with some enterprise, but we have amazing packages for small businesses, uh, anywhere from like one employee up to 50, we work really well with. Mm. And, uh, and what we do is we create a parameter around your operations, even outside of your network, outside of your, your actual office. So uh, we give you complete security for all your computers, your mobile devices, and cloud. So we talked about devices, we talked about computers, and uh, we talked about mobile devices, but another big area, Justin, is, is cloud. Mm -hmm. you know, we, all, we all use Google, G Suite, 365, Dropbox, Slack, you name it. And, uh, and people think there's, again, a misconception uh, that the big guys are looking after your data, but guess what? When some when shit goes down, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, yeah. So we can swear. <laughs> yeah, I swear. I drop, I drop a lot of bombs. so. Um, so when when you know when it goes down, uh, you're gonna talk to you're gonna go upstairs and talk to Google, and they'll say, "Sorry, you should have read you should have read the fine print. You you signed off on it when you signed up. You know, there's uh, in the fine print. If you look closely, there's a section about uh, shared responsibilities. 
and and what that means is that uh, like let's say let's pick on Google so Google is responsible for certain things they're responsible to make sure that uh, you know nobody drives a truck into their data center and, and yanks out all their hard drives and, and runs off they're responsible for for a lot of security aspects but if somebody breaches one of your accounts that is on you Mm -hmm. That's on you and your IT, mm -hmm. and uh, and so there's a lot that you have to be responsible for, and, and people are just kind of uh, unfortunately not doing. Uh, sometimes it's pretty basic things, but they're just not doing them, and and they find out too late. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and once there's a breach, it can get. I mean, I see them all the time. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of companies come to us after a breach. It gets very expensive and very tricky to get a company out of a, a scenario like that. Sometimes I mean, there's a horrible stat, which, uh, which I've, I've, I've been aware of for quite some time. 60% of companies that, go, uh, that get hacked go out of business within six months. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's an yeah. incredible stat. So it, it's a lot easier for us to have a conversation right now uh, and make sure that you have all your ducks in a row uh, before the fact rather than after the fact. It, it gets very, very expensive. And yes, there's, cyber, there's insurance, cyber liability insurance and so on, but we're starting to see a lot of companies getting denied as well um, because, again, there's some clauses there that you have to be aware of uh, when you're signing up for services like that. Amazing. So just to recap, from some ways that people can uh, protect themselves would be to change passwords, if even better, uh, to use something like LastPass, a third-party software that helps manage all of that, um, to kind of be careful of what you're downloading and, and what you're playing around with, um, and then, of course, contact you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more you can do. We basically, we like to let our clients focus on what they do best. And so we have we have packages that really will, will do everything from A to C for you. Uh, we make it very painless and, and affordable. Uh, we also have a great promotion right now going on for uh, to support companies with coronavirus and, uh, and what's going on right now. Uh, there's obviously, everybody's taking a hit. Uh, but it's very important to make sure that your, your data and your operations are still secure because it's temporary. You know, we're all going to go through some tough times, but at the end of the day, uh, we'll bounce back up. And we want to make sure that when we do that, our businesses are not, you know, permanently hit with, with a breach or something horrible like that. And so uh, we are offering 20% discount on our cybersecurity packages to anybody that signs up right now in March mm -hmm. uh, 2020. And uh, let's hope, again, uh, COVID-19 coronavirus is temporary and, and goes away uh, very quickly. But... Uh, we have to be prepared to make sure that uh, we, we're not jeopardizing our businesses and operations. Yeah, I mean, I think on top of that, like the, the good thing that could come out of it all is that the world all of a sudden has a different type of infrastructure around the corporate workplace. I know there's a lot of movement in that direction where people are working from home, um, co-working spaces and whatnot, um, you know, and trying to get away from that big, tall corporate building. And I think something like this, which kind of forces people to be remote um, and to be away from those, I think is gonna cause a different type of trend in the in the work environment. You're totally right about it. It's a big eye-opener for everybody. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it was only a matter of time. Like things were would have probably shifted in that direction anyway. We started seeing a lot of, even co-working spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like they're just popping up left, right, and center everywhere. And um, and again, with co-working spaces, it's kind of like working from home. Like you like you don't you no longer control the environment and the network, and and you're sharing space with with you know your not, not your kids in the co-working space, but but with other offices and other other businesses. And if one gets hit, it can trickle down to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So same as you know the home environment. If 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 your laptop is secure, that's great. Uh, or if it's not secure, most likely it's not secure properly. Uh, one way or another, if somebody else at home 
gets hit or and, and gets you know gets breached uh, it will most like malware is sophisticated enough nowadays that it will actually look to see what else in the network and, and propagate and, and, and permeate it into other systems uh, it's actually getting to the point there's a horrible thing going on right now um, I, I, the, the malware is called emotet what it does is it actually so once you get infected with it it will it, it will lock down your computer you know hold you for ransom all that horrible stuff but it will actually start looking into other neighboring networks around you so it will it will look through your you know all the available wireless connections mm -hmm. and it will actually try and brute force its way into your your neighbors networks or, or your you know your wow. next door office uh, networks by trying different passwords and kind of going through the dictionary and trying different combinations it's called brute force and and, and it, it's starting to spread very very fast and so you know it's there's a lot uh, a lot out there um, ho hopefully the listeners are not you know sitting at home uh, scared out of their minds uh, if you're worried about any of this kind of stuff or if you know someone who, somebody who is definitely feel free to, to approach us. You can email us at secure at cyberunit.com or just check out our website, cyberunit.com. Cool, and, and uh, for those of you guys who are listening on Spotify, um, we do have it on YouTube, and so I'll have the link in the description there. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for the time. I, I know you've got to go pick up the kid, uh, <laughs> but uh, always appreciate it. It's uh, always uh, nice to have a good conversation with you. But uh, for those of you guys, uh, if you guys enjoyed that, please hit that subscribe button, uh, follow, comment, uh, let us know how you like it. Um, one thing I always ask everybody uh, at the end of the show is, uh, what is a resource that a person can go and look at to learn more about something that you're passionate about, whether it's cybersecurity or just something in general? I mean, LinkedIn is huge. Um, cybersecurity, if you're if you don't want to do all the homework and, and constantly uh, you know research and see what's happening and what could be impacting you, follow my company on LinkedIn. We're constant. We're posting about two or three times a day. We'll be posting uh, you know articles and 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 different posts that uh, are actually impactful for small businesses and entrepreneurs. So that's a great resource right there. Maybe I'm a bit biased uh, to say that, but um, we're doing the legwork for you, and you can follow us there. Uh, look look up CyberUnit on LinkedIn. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Thanks for having Thank, me. Thanks.